Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It is a very special episode 100. And as always, I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And the man who's rather special himself is with me again, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. What a centenary show we have ahead for our listeners. Can you believe it? It's sunny outside. It feels like a pretty good day. It feels like uh, an interesting moment to challenge ourselves to encapsulate all of the 99 shows into one, all of that moonshot wisdom, all of those ideas into one show. I mean, if you could only listen to one moonshot show, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try and make that and create that with you today. And talking about one, there is one other individual mic that we've got to bring in to our show today. It would only feel fitting as we're talking about moonshots thinkers to bring in one of our moonshot thinkers themselves. We are pleased and and celebrating all around by returning co-host, Mr. Chad Owen. Good morning, Chad. Hello there. It is an honor and a privilege to be back here on the Moonshots podcast. I must say, this is a, a warm and, and cozy place for me, so I'm really excited for today's show. It is so good to have you back, Chad. And listen, um, we, we really have to uh, shout out your recent av- adventure. I mean, you have um, traveled uh, far and wide across America. I mean, please update us on your travels. <laughs> um, like most people across the globe, I was uh, feeling a bit uh, trapped inside of my small New York apartment with a wife and dog. <laughs> so we decided to take a three-month road trip where we're camping in state and national parks and see as much of North America as we could. Unfortunately, the Canadian border was closed to us Americans because we couldn't get things under control. But we managed to see 50 national parks, 25 states, um, and working from the road uh, was an amazing experience, and we feel very fortunate to have been able to to do so. And now we're we're hunkering back down here in New York, uh, preparing for winter. And what advice would you have for anyone who hears what you have just done? Um, what would be your advice to all our listeners if they're thinking about, you know, a, a change of scenery or a little moonshot adventure of their own, having done this, what advice would you give them? Well, if you ever see the book Vagabonding by Rolf Potts uh, in like the dollar bin or whatever at the thrift store, pick it up because that book recommended to me by Tim Ferriss um, was a, a seed of this um, idea. But I read that book probably 10 years ago. I think it's, if you think that you're stuck in your work situation you know, world events and this pandemic, I think has kind of thrown that out the window. Mm. So just imagine, uh, and create, uh, a future of, of working for yourself that, that you want, you know, stretch, stretch the limits of work from home and, and working remotely, uh, policies. I think, um, now is the time for us to, to try and figure out what those new, uh, work modes are. Cause I think we're only going to be returning more and more into the office as, as things across the globe subside. But, 
you know, my wife's an architect and she was able to do her job for three months, you know, from a campsite, from a car and from a, from a, a coffee shop. So it, 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 it can be done. Wow. Wow. Well, that is, that's certainly a call, call to action. And I tell you what else is going to be a call to action is the six clips we're going to share with you today, Chad. We have dug in to the archives. We have selected our very, very favorite innovators, and we have really challenged ourselves to find the essential moonshot thinking. And Mark, I think tee it up for us a little bit. I mean, what is to come on this very special 100th Moonshots podcast? Well, we wanted to try and encapsulate, pardon me, um, exactly what we believe moonshot thinking is all about. We've had the pleasure of having you with us, listeners, helping us learn out loud, giving us suggestions on authors, innovators, entrepreneurs that we can dig into and learn from. We've got ourselves and our, our favorite authors in the back of our minds as well, and those around us in the spotlights that always inspire us. And what we wanted to do today was really dig into, okay, well, if we could call out exactly what Moonshot's thinking is all about and think about it in almost a playbook, in almost a moment of inspiration, you can put on your headphones and learn loads of stuff and be inspired to go and be a Moonshot's thinker. That today is what we're trying to do with Show 100. So today it's all about bringing some of these incredible innovators that appeared on the show and, and those around us and think about the centenary um, episode as, okay, well, what lessons do we learn from these innovators? How can we be inspired by them? And what can we go into practice straight away? So today it's all about thinking the moonshots, idea, insights, thinking, and how we can go and do it ourselves. So we've got everything from David Goggins to Michael Jordan. We've got uh, musicians. We've got people who build rockets for a job and those that will even go into the depths of our soul. But I think to start the show, to start a moonshot centenary show, I think there is really only one place to start. And that is with someone that has challenged us with purpose. And if you remember, Chad, when we did our first show on this person, uh, it really changed the trajectory of the show, didn't it? Yeah, it more than 10x, I think, our expectations <laughs> of what the show could be. And, and since then, I think it's like at 25 or 30x. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it could only be Simon Sinek in the, the author's series we did with him. Oh my gosh. Do you remember? We just couldn't believe um, how many people were listening to that episode, how much feedback we got, how many people wanted your help to find their why. And we could not start a centenary show anywhere else other than with Simon Sinek. So strap on in everybody, get your coffee, get your tea, get your kombucha, whatever it is because we're going on a ride. So let's have a listen to the king of purpose, the man who challenges us to ask the question of why. It's none other than Mr. Simon Sinek. Why did you get out of bed this morning? What's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your company exist? In the face of bombardment of manipulation and manipulation, manipulation, that's, that's the marketplace. How do you get your message 
to stand out? How do you get your message heard? Why should anyone listen to you? As it turns out, there's a pattern. As it turns out, all the great and inspiring leaders and organizations in the world, whether it's Apple or Martin Luther King or the Wright brothers, they all think, act, and communicate the exact same way, and it's the complete opposite to everyone else. All I did was write it down. I call it the golden circle. In the middle is the word why, in the center ring is the word how, and the outside ring is the word what. It's this little idea that distinguishes those with the capacity to inspire versus everyone else. Every single organization on the planet knows what they do. These are the products you sell or the services you offer. Some know how they do it. Whether you call it your differentiating value proposition or your USP, it's the things that you think make you special or different or better than your competition. But very, very few people and very, very few organizations can clearly state why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make money. That's a result. Why did you get out of bed this morning? And why should anyone care? It's so fun to hear Simon again in the halls of my WeWork. Just last week, I heard someone quoting Simon Sinek <laughs> and, and saying, oh, I just read this great book. <laughs> Start with why. Um, no way. Yeah. So it, it's so funny to have him come up here as our first clip here on, on today's show. It was pretty um, profound when, when he wrote that book and asked that simple yet powerful question. It really provoked um, so many people to go, damn, he's right. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? Um, I saw people doing all sorts of, you know, golden circles, the what, the how, the whys, all over the place in many different professions. I mean, it was like a contagion, this why thing that Cinex started, wasn't it, Chad? Yeah, I, I love the simplicity of the model. Mm. Everyone can draw three circles. Everyone understands the questions why, how, and what. And I think what Simon really brought to the fore is he, he went out and found the examples of Martin Luther King and Apple as, as companies and individuals that started with why. And then I can't remember what the counterexamples were, but he had really great examples and counterexamples of that framework that really just made it hit home. You know, mm. you can, you can explain the core of the book in just 90 seconds of that clip, but I think it was really the examples that helped uh, make it real. And as you said, you know, bring it into all these different industries and professions. Yeah. And I think, it, I think everyone, it came at a time when everyone was so obsessed with, look at what I do, look at what I do. And he just said, why? And uh, I found this really interesting thing as I sort of tried to get in, into it more from a personal point of view, because what's so powerful about the framework is you can apply it to a brand or you can apply it to yourself. And here's the thing that I'm still working on, I'm going to admit, but what I have found invaluable about uh, Cynic's work is that he related um, this idea of feeling satisfied and fulfilled with the day's work will always be at its highest when you know the things you are doing ladder up and relate to and are part of your mission are a part of your purpose. So usually things like purpose about where you want to be, 
as a person, very long-term, very abstract, and sometimes a bit amorphous. But the connection is if you can think through uh, the things that you did today and you can make a direct connection to your purpose, then no matter how hard the thing was, because you know it is part of your purpose, of your uh, reason for being, then it gives you this extra boost when sometimes you feel doubt or you're questioning things. If you know what you did today is helping you achieve and realize your purpose, I found that a great way, particularly when you're working hard or you're struggling or things aren't going as you hoped. If you just ask this question, did the things I do today contribute to me achieving my purpose, my why? This for me was, whew, this was really, really um, the aha moment um, with, with Synex. So I want to try this challenge to you, Mark. How have you found being introduced to Cynic and trying to do a little bit of starting with why? How's it been for you? <laughs> I, I actually want to, you know, build on some of the stuff that you were just saying there, Mike. I think there is a huge amount of practicality and business tips within Start With Why. The Golden Circle is a great example. And we've used it with clients. We use it with business. And actually, we use it with our projects mostly day to day. But I like exactly where you've just gone. It's quite a mindful approach, not only mm. from a business perspective, but from a personal priority perspective, you know, starting with your priorities of the day, why you're getting out of bed, what you want to try and achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. These are very, very personal, introspective concepts. And what I think is so powerful about Synex work, particularly with Start With Why, is how it works both on a business and economic scale, as well as a personal development scale. It's very, very valid for me when I'm trying to think, what am I doing? Am I, uh, you know, in, in lockdown and pandemics, trying to find that motivation to, you know, get up and go and still continue to do my best work, starting with why and really understanding what gets me going and what inspires me mm. is so, so valid, particularly right now in this economy and, and this climate. I feel like Synex work just keeps on like a good wine. It's kind of getting better with age. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more, Mark. I think for those of us caught in this routine, um, I was lucky I was able to escape. But I think if, if you're approaching you know, the same tasks and projects over and over again and you find yourself a bit stuck, coming back to the, to the golden circle and asking why I think is a good jolt uh, out of that. Mm, I think I think the um, the timelessness of uh, cynic um, and asking this really profound question has it's really kind of started a movement. And for our listeners, I would just say, even if you're familiar with um, cynic's work, I think returning to it and uh, is it sort of a, a really nice refresh on okay. Um, not just applying these circles of and questions of why to the company or the brand that you work for, but to yourself as well, I think is just such a healthy practice. But Chad, I think uh, part of the healthy practices um, that have been so surprising 
in uh, the learnings that we've made through really studying these um, uh, innovators is that actually it's the the courage and self-questioning, self-evaluation is a huge part of how they are so great. So, you know, we're often trained to think that greatness is about brute strength and, 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 and this high octane thing. But what's really interesting is it's not only reflection, but sometimes greatness lies in vulnerability, right? Yeah. And so we had five wonderful episodes on Simon starting, I believe episode 52. And that kicked off this, this wonderful authors series and I had to bring on the work of Brene Brown to the show. So this clip, uh, I get to, to introduce the first of two ladies we have on the show today. Um, I wanted to be sure to share Brene Brown with our listeners in that episode because of this different perspective that, that, you, that you're talking about, Mike, where um, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and innovation, there's an alpha, you know, masculine kind of dominant aggressive archetype. And she has amazing research that she's brought to bear in, I think at least seven or eight books now um, that brings a, a totally different perspective on that. And so I'm really excited to introduce a clip from Brene around how it's not just the people that step into the arena that we should celebrate, but it's also those that can deal with the critics and the critics might not be coming from where you expect them. So here's Brene Brown on the critics. I used to think the best way to put your work out into the world is to make sure the critics are not in the arena but you have no control over who's in the arena. And the best way I have found is to know that they're there and to know exactly what they're going to say to you. Because each of you know. The three seats that will always be taken when you walk into the arena, when you share your work with someone, the three seats that will always be taken are shame, scarcity, and comparison. Shame, completely universal human emotion, we all have it. It's that gremlin that whispers, you're not, you're not enough. Or if you're feeling pretty confident. Like this is, I went through this like in a, when Scott was talking, I went back and forth from like a, like a ping pong table with gremlins, back from, oh my God, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, to I can do this, I can totally do Oh, who do you think you are? That's the other gremlin, that's how it works. Like look at you, big for your britches. Um, I clearly have Texas gremlins. Um, I don't know that everyone says too big for their britches, but that's what my gremlins say. So shame always has a seat. The other seat that's always taken is scarcity. What am I doing that everyone, what am I doing that's original? Everyone else is doing this. 150 people are doing it who are better trained than, I'm tra than I am. What am I contributing? Does this really matter? The third seat, always comparison. How many of you ever struggle with comparison? Oh my God, comparison is a nightmare. Um, 
you know, I made a pact not to talk to anyone in the green room because what I was afraid that I would end up doing is say, so what are you talking about? <laughs> That's interesting because I'm going first. Um, <laughs> and so if it sounds super good and I think I suck comparatively, I may say that. And then I'm catching a flight to Dallas. Um, comparison is always there. The fourth seat I left open for you. You gotta know who's in the fourth seat. Is it a teacher? Is it a parent? Is it a shitty ex-coworker? Am I the only one that's ever had one of those? Um, the thing is, I don't care what people think. I don't worry about the critics in the arena. It sends a huge red flag up for me. We're hardwired for connection. When we stop caring what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what people think, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. Not caring what people think is its own kind of hustle. Trust me. What I, I just loved the Brené Brown series and I loved the Gifts of Imperfection book. I just feel so, I, I'm just reminded that our moonshot thinkers, innovators, authors, they're real people, real human beings. And it feels very, very, I don't know, almost reassuring when you hear Brené talk about vulnerability and these three or maybe four seats <laughs> that are always in the auditorium or the mm. arena when you're going up against an op a challenge or a, or a potential problem. You know, for me, where Brené really, really comes to life and really captures my, um, I suppose, inspiration is this acknowledgement, this knowledge that sometimes the critics aren't going to be really obvious you know, the fourth seat that Brené was referencing, you know, whether it's a shitty ex-coworker or whatever, that's quite a, a literal one. But the other three, shame, scarcity, and comparison, they're kind of within, within ourselves. So once we acknowledge the imperfections that we have, um, we're able to kind of own it and go and make that difference. You know, again, it's something that we've talked about a lot on the Moonshots podcast. Mindset and how you approach things is, is within your control. And I love where Brené's taking us with that clip because she's saying it's okay if it's hard to do. It's okay if it's a little bit of a challenge and you feel vulnerable because that's the, the kind of essence. That's the whole point. That's, that's something that makes you you. And once you accept you for being yourself, you can be productive, you can be happy, and you can be kind of your best version. I mean, Mike, what did you uh, take from the Gifts of Imperfection book as well as the Brené Brown? series? Uh, well, you know, this idea of um, the ultimate courage is being vulnerable. I mean, there's so much, I mean, in all of them, these big themes of courage and vulnerability and, and shame, these are things that we just, I mean, when I started my career, nobody was talking about mm. this at all. And even if you go back, like just to kind of capture an era, imagine the, the swashbuckling era of Jack Welsh at GE. Do you think he was talking about courage, <laughs> shame and vulnerability? I mean, come on. 
it's so exciting to discover that these things which live as little voices in your head, thoughts that you rarely share. She's like, well, I'm just going to put them right out there. And then you're like, oh my God, she's making so much sense right now. I mean, when you, I mean, you brought Brene to us, Chad, was that how you experienced it? Uh, That it was like, wow, she's talking about stuff. No one's, this stuff's in my head, but no one's talking about it. Re-listening to this clip, you know, it, it's kind of devastating to, to me because the last line she said really hit home. Um, she said, not caring what others think is its own kind of hustle. And to me, that's such a beautiful definition of like invulnerability that mm. it, it is the fact that you're taking off your armor and you are beginning mm. to care about what others think that is you actually being vulnerable. And so I, I took it as like a really deep cut in like, Hey Chad, you need to think about opening up that armor and letting yourself be a little bit more vulnerable. Cause I think for a number of reasons, you know, life circumstances and world circumstances, I think have caused us to um, build up some pretty hard shells um, in certain areas of, of our life. And so this was just like a beautiful, uh, uh, reintroduction to yeah. what it means to be vulnerable. Mm. And, and isn't it exciting that someone like Brene Brown has the, I would say her own courage to talk about, write about, you know, these sort of fundamental human behaviors and thoughts and to put them on the table. And uh, I am so excited by her success. I think it's such a healthy conversation. Mm. I think she brings so much to us in our personal and professional lives. I, I, I think she's an absolute, I mean, think about it this way, a little bit of cynic and a little bit of uh, Brene Brown, and you are on the way to a moonshot. I mean, <laughs> there's a lifetime of study to get those things right, Chad. <laughs> Yeah, like 10, 10 books, a Netflix special. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but I mean, look, what's so exciting is we're just two, uh, two clips into the show, one from Simon Sinek, one from Brene Brown, and you can just see how much is inside these ideas. Before we go to the next one, um, there is um, – There's a call to action that we have for all of our listeners, and it is so exciting to know that we have listeners in just the most exciting places on the planet. We've got Japan, Italy, Belgium, Turkey, Singapore, Taiwan, Ukraine, Nigeria, Kenya, Kazakhstan, Uruguay, Moldova, and many, many more places. But we want to hear from you. We want to understand who you would like us to study. So, Mark, if someone's got a great, inspiring innovator that they would love us to decode, where should they go and what should they do? We have a new feature, dear listeners, on our humble homepage on the big wide web. If you navigate over to moonshots.io and either you scroll right to the bottom or, in fact, if you're up at the top, you can navigate to the right-hand side. We have a feedback feature on moonshots.io. Think of this as your 
direct um, telephone number, um, can on the end of a string, uh, carrier pigeon way to communicate with us, even though we're on possibly the other side of the world to where you are. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you guys think about the show and who we should be covering next. So please leave us your thoughts on the moonshots.io homepage via the feedback button and we'll make sure to read absolutely every single one and listen up because you never know when your innovator might be covered. Exactly. And we have some cool shows coming up. We are going to do a teamwork series um, and uh, there's some very cool well-known and maybe uh, emerging new innovators that we're going to break down. Um, We're going to uh, do another author series, um, but we need to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us who you want us to study. Head over to uh, moonshots.io and let us know. Put in your submission. We know um, uh, we've got a a number of folks on our long list, including Christine Lagarde, um, president of the European Central Bank. She's on the list. We'll be covering her. Thank you to Bettina in Germany. So get onto the World Wide Web. Send us your thoughts. Um, we want to hear from you. And I can tell you someone we know our audience loves hearing from is a little somebody who's perhaps the busiest CEO on the planet, Mark. <laughs> yes, this chap uh, who's going to be our next clip in episode 100 is probably one of not only the busiest um, CEO, but maybe one of the busiest men on earth and even beyond earth. <laughs> a man who has entered the, uh, the stratosphere with his thoughts and his ambitions, a man who's reaching to the moon and beyond, a man who's capturing our attention in podcasts, on television, in a variety of different media formats. And it's just a, a pleasure kind of watching him kind of do his own thing. You can be inspired, you can be captivated, you can be uh, perhaps distracted by all the all of the amazing things that this particular innovator is, is doing. So the next clip we're going to hear from is one of our fan favorites, Elon Musk, a man who needs only a little bit of an introduction. Uh, but like I say, he's he's such a figurehead that he inspires all of us. And this next clip is a little bit inspired, I'd say, or perhaps a little bit um, connected to the Brené Brown clip that we just heard about vulnerability, because this clip is a great reminder that no matter where you are in your career, no matter what position you uphold, whether you're flying into space or whether you're down here on earth, you are going to potentially face moments where you have critics, where you have challenges, problems, or uh, distractions, perhaps. So this next clip, our third clip in show 100, is Elon Musk telling us how to overcome your critics. People who've been in the rocketry business for decades who say about you that you don't know what you don't know. Well, I I suppose that's true of anyone. How can anyone know what they don't know? (laughs) When um, critics say you can't do this, your answer to them is... We've done it. You know, there are American heroes who don't like this idea. Neil Armstrong, Gene Cernan have both testified against commercial spaceflight and the way that you're developing it. And I wonder what you think of that. I was very sad to see that um, because those guys are, yeah, you know, those guys are heroes of mine, so it's really tough. You know, I I wish they would come and visit and and see the hardware that we're doing here. 
and, and I think that would change their mind. They inspired you to do this, didn't they? Yes. And to see them casting stones in your direction. Difficult. Did you expect them to cheer you on? So they're hoping they would. What are you trying to prove to them? What I'm trying to do is to, is to make a, a significant difference in in spaceflight and 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 help make spaceflight accessible to to almost anyone. And I, I, I would uh, hope for as much support in that direction as we as we can receive. Ooh, I mean. You can hear in how he was answering those questions. I mean, he, that was really stinging for him, the fact that his childhood heroes mm. were criticizing him public. I mean, guys, people might have criticism for us. Much of the time we won't even hear it. But imagine being so criticized in public by your heroes. I mean, Oh, Chad, I mean, doesn't that just, as he was talking there, you could hear Elon just like you could hear the the the, the pain that that Hurt. was for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, what I take away from this is he has a real simple invitation to them to come and see what he's doing. Mm. And I think he's so focused on execution and he so wholeheartedly believes in what he's doing. Um, I think he's able to cope with it because he understands he knows that they don't understand. And I think he's right. If, if he got his critics, mm. you know, from the traditional government funded NASA space programs to mm. spend a day or a week or two at SpaceX, like, I, I, I'd imagine they'd be thrilled at what they're doing. And it, it's his constant uphill battle against the status quo mm. that I think is his true kind of moonshotter quality because he's mm. not complacent in any industry. There's what, five industries that he's <laughs> disrupting. <laughs> and it's just because he knows that it can be better and he has all these beautiful mental models and heuristics that he uses to, to know how to improve them. You know, he's just like, we got to get the cost of the rocket to this. We've got to reuse it. And then if we can do that, then spaceflight becomes 10 times cheaper than it was beforehand. And he's willing right. to put his money where his mouth is. Right, right. To totally. And the I love uh, how he was so... Um, he wasn't uh, doing a well stuff them. I don't care what mm. they think. He still was like, just come see what we're doing. Please come see it. That's all he was asking. Um, and I really like that as a response. Mm -hmm. I really like that he didn't fall for that trap of people will often disregard, they will talk down the individual if what they're saying is a critique of them a defensive mechanism, well, their opinion doesn't matter anyway. But I love how he's still holding out this little peace offering. Just come see what we're doing, guys. Just come see. And I thought that, that was really nice. And I think a big lesson for us, don't you think, Chad, just like don't go there, you know, take, take the higher ground. 
yeah, it's a great PR lesson uh, on mm. on top of it all. But I mm. think it, it you really get the sense of he's just wired differently. I think than people are naturally like people want to stay in the status quo, and that is never going to be good enough for him. And so I think all he can do is try to enroll other people into that belief that things can be better. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really true. And Mark, when you heard that, um, how I mean, once we get through on the other side of, oof, that was tough. I, I did think it was a really poignant. Um, uh, just for somebody who gets a little bit ropey on Twitter, it was an enormously mature resp- response, wasn't it? It's it's very very humble. You know, he he Elon often gets in the headlines, uh, you know, whether he appears on Joe Rogan or whether he's across Twitter because he is quite bombastic, you know, with his flamethrower uh, calling the company's strange, bizarre names like the Boring Company, which is, again, perhaps a, a fantastic PR lesson. I think here he's showing um, that kind of maturity, uh, maybe that's a patronizing word, um, you know, this humbleness of it's okay, I want to offer this invitation. I, I would just want people to sort of see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to do all this cool stuff for mankind and get us into different spaces, build up, like you say, Chad, I think five, six different sectors, different industries that he's across. And he is just this guy who's, you know, super resilient. He has all these challenges, even from his heroes, these astronauts that push him back, perhaps. He's still just doing his very, very best at, you know, furthering research and development and products. But I think at the same time, he kind of makes it look quite fun. You know, I, I, whenever I see Elon and wherever I hear clips and whenever we cover him on, on the Moonshot show, I'm sort of captivated by his upbeatness. Mm. His, I think there's an element of humbleness. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. But I think his positivity and the, the fact that he's able to sort of say, it's okay. They can come and check it out. I wish they would. It's not going to stop me though. You know, there's not an aggression. There's not him saying, well, screw you guys. I'm going to do it anyway. If anything, mm. it's more his natural energy sort of takes him in that direction. And that's inspiring. That kind of gets me going. And I kind of think, mm. oh, I, I'm kind of wanting to feel that energy too. I, I get that. Yeah, I might challenge it, you on that humility, Mark. I, I don't know how how humble Elon <laughs> is, but he was certainly humbled in this clip. He was yes. definitely brought down a couple of rungs here. <laughs> yeah, yes. maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He certainly has shown the, the capacity to take the hits and to keep on going. And that that's without doubt. So very, very moonshotty. Um so I just want to remind you guys, we, we've heard from, you know, an academic, we've heard from an author, we've heard from an entrepreneur, and we're only halfway through this centenary show where we're trying to get all of the goodness of the Moonshots podcast, the essentials of going for a moonshot um, into one show. And uh, the party ain't over. And we're going to bring some rock and roll to the show, Chad. Where shall we go next? It's my pleasure to bring back a real deep cut here, going back to episode nine, where 
we learned from Lady Gaga. It was our first uh, show where we brought on a guest uh, and I think really helped us expand our horizons uh, when we were looking for different moonshot thinkers. And so Lady Gaga, I think, kind of builds on what we learned from both Brene and Elon in that we can really learn from her how to, from within ourselves, uh, be relentless and fearless when it comes to, you know, our artistic or maybe our professional approach and capabilities. So here's Lady Gaga on being relentless and fearless. I just have such a love and affinity for show business. I just always felt famous. That's what my first album was really about, is that fame comes from within, inside of you and it's not something that you obtain. Mm -hmm. And I still feel that way in a lot of ways. I like to know that I can define my fame and define my beauty for myself, which is why I'm so vigilant and relentless about my image and my music is... I will not allow, no matter how successful I become, for the public to define or indicate what it is I create or what it is that I believe is beautiful or what I believe is mm -hmm. a hit pop record. That's who I am and I will, I will always be that way. Relentless and fearless and vicious. Oh, moonshotter right there in the music industry. What, what I love um, or what kind of gets me going there from Lady Gaga is her continual reference to you, you, your mindset, your approach, ownership. I'm thinking about what I'm doing, my music, my image. You know, if, if there's one clip within, I think it's 50 seconds long, if there's one clip that is all about owning your image, your music, your approach to things, your mindset, your behavior, it's that clip from Lady Gaga. She just really, really goes deep into this idea of, you're in control of your world, your sphere of, of artistic integrity and your capability to put out um, a product or a design or an experience or music in this case. You know, much like Elon is in control of, of his products and, you know, some of our other innovators are in control of theirs. Lady Gaga is really calling out here, don't forget that you're in control, not anybody else. And that for me is quite empowering. I mean, Mike, what do you what do you get from from Lady Gaga here? Well, can you imagine how many uh, people are pulling her in different directions, and um, how incredibly essential it is to know who you want to be and that you will make that choice? I mean, we see so many celebrities get off track just because it's the classic uh, thing when, when they have the wrong manager, when they have the wrong people around them, they get taken off track. I think though that, that there's this real, this lesson of in, in Gaga, we see somebody who is unquestionably knows who she wants to be. It's almost like she read Simon Sinek's yeah. start with why, because she is like, roaring she's fearless she's like i know exactly what i'm about and i don't know about you chad but i can just hear in her voice she has this real clarity of purpose yeah i think one thing ed the the interconnectedness between all these clips is it's like lighting my brain on fire here 
because I, I hear maybe a lot of myself in in the Lady Gaga clip, and maybe not enough Brene Brown. And so I'm kind of like, there's an interesting yin and yang there, because in some ways I think of celebrity like Lady Gaga that has tens of millions or hundreds of millions of mm. fans really has to protect herself and not be vulnerable. And mm. so there there may be a ten, like you could take it too far. Um, so th- there's this interesting dynamic about, you know, how do we come up with this? Why be really relentless and fearless about it and yet still maintain that, uh, space for vulnerability. Yeah. I'm just this, I'm, I'm episode 100. I'm, I'm loving this. It's just like lighting my moonshot brain on fire here. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really interesting, uh, because there's, um, this emerging operating system, Mm. that um, the strength is very uh, thoughtful. It comes deep from within inside and it's not uh, a strength of ego. Like everything we're hearing is there's a certain, as Brene would say, there's a certain vulnerability, there's a certain purpose, there's a certain following your path regardless of what others say. There seems to be this, this inner life force that they are all calling upon, whether they're sending rockets to space or uh, creating famous pop songs. It's all coming down to this life force that, that somehow lays uh, inside of each of these individuals. And Chad, what I want to pitch to you is the idea that, A, from a cerebral perspective, it's so good to hear uh, these mindsets, these mental models. But there's also, I think, something else that we should celebrate in listening mm. and understanding and learning out loud with these people is it's just inspiring because you don't have to think too much about what Gaga is saying. You could also do this interesting of just feel what she's saying. She is saying to you, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Do not compromise. Be the best version of yourself. Like be relentless, be fearless. And I think that's, isn't that just one of the delights of studying these people is you have this cerebral mindset, uh-huh, but then you're like, damn, they know what they're on about. They're, they're going in the right direction. Like to me that is just as equally delightful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, across everyone that we've, you know, profiled on the show, both myself with you and, and Mark. Um, I'm just going through like the Rolodex of, you know, the 99 episodes in the, the joy of discovering, uh, listening to and discovering these, these wisdom, uh, from, from all these individuals has been really fantastic. But on this, on this topic of like passion and kind of, uh, uniqueness and, and, You've got this great uh, clip coming up, Mike. So I, I, we've got to get to it. <laughs> um, so okay, so here's here's where it really comes in. If you if you want to take Gaga and turbocharge it, we should look no further than Michael Jordan and the basketball court, because everybody looks at the guy and you, he he looks the athlete. 
So you think, oh, he's just like this natural born athlete. He's just magical. He's from another planet. He flies like a superhero. But what is so beautiful, what is so, so moonshots is that there is just one word that made him Superman. There is one word that taught him how to play with his teammates. And this word is practice. This, this whole thing about your, you practicing. I mean, if you talk to any of your teammates, they would say, even if they saw something in the game, it's like, shoot, you should have saw him Thursday. To practice with you was like, like they had a game instead of a practice. And when I got to the pros with Kevin Lockery, you know, when I was drafted number three, Kevin Lockett used to put me on the starting five. We used to be killing the second five. But he wanted to test me out. So we can be, let's say we're going to eight, and it can be five to one or five to two against the second team. And if you lose, you got to run. He would switch me in the middle of the game to the second team. And I'm saying, well, okay, you're trying to prove a point. Boom, we'll bounce back and win the game. Those are all training tools for me. And every day in practice was like that to me. It was a competition. So when the game comes, it's nothing that I haven't already practiced. It's a routine. You know, whatever happens in the game now, okay, I've done this before. Short for the win. Got it! At the buzzer, he's done it again! Was fear of failure a motivator? And that, if, I never feared about my skills, you know, because I put in the work. Put them away, MJ. Work ethic eliminates fear. Yes. You know, so if you put forth the, earth, the work, then what are you fearing? You know you, what you're capable of doing, what you're not. I practice as if I'm playing in a game. So when the moment comes in the game, it's not new to me. That's the beauty of the game of basketball. That's the reason why you practice. That's the effort. So when you get to that moment, you don't have to think. Instinctively, things happen. Wow, Chad, right? Like, there's so much in that, isn't there? Yeah. I, I love how all these clips are, are building on one another because, in a way, this is almost too simple, where he's saying it's just practice. <laughs> um, but there's so much I think that goes into practice. Uh, he had coaches that really understood how to motivate him and they designed entire training programs around him and, mm-hmm. and built teams around him to support him. So I think, you know, what this is really bringing home for me is it's not just practice as in kind of the sitting in the chair and doing it. Um, but it's also the preparation, um, and the routines and processes that you set up that allow you to just get into that mode of practice so that you don't have to be fearful when it comes to performance time, whatever that is, whether it's you know doing the project or, you know, getting up and speaking in front of people or right. whatever it is. That's so interesting that you mentioned speaking because um, to me, this is the, um, the true power of this uh, clip and in the thinking of Michael Jordan is that practice eliminates fear. Mm-hmm. And 
when we think about uh, public speaking, the best thing you can do is rehearse and rehearse, have a few trial runs, look, get your, sit your partner down and give them the speech. Um, and uh, I often talk about that if you take public speaking as a metaphor for, you know, practice eliminates fear, um, you can do a shift. And I think the shift in practice eliminating fear is you transition from fear to excitement and mm. from um, being, oh, my gosh, it could really go wrong to I can't wait for it because it's going to go so right. And when you speak or when you do anything in life and you've practiced enough, I, I truly believe that you achieve this moment of flow where uh, look at Michael Jackson. When he would perform, it was like the music was just inside him. He just felt it. Look at great athletes. They make it look so easy and effortless because practice eliminated fear. They're just in the moment. And when you're giving a talk and you've practiced it enough, you don't need to be in your mind tripping over yourself thinking, what am I going to say next? You know the subject. You know mm -hmm. the story. And you can tell it in the moment. And I think that's the power of what we can take from MJ. How about you, Mark, when it comes to practice? For, for me, I mean, it's, it's funny. You've just referenced something, Mike, around re, re recognizing or reappropriating the level of anxiety into a kind of feeling of excitement, you know, because I think they do share similar traits and your body responds in a in similar way. So that feeling of, you know, butterflies in your stomach is a sign of excitement as well as as fear, as well as anxiety. Where I think this clip from from Jordan um, captures me, Chad, is because by putting in that hard work, you can then turn the anxiety into excitement. It's kind of like an equation. Put in the hard work equals no fear. That equals total excitement for the for the game. I'm ready to get out on the court because I've put in the hard work and because I'm prepared for it. What I, what I think though, just to build on what I think MJ's um, calling out here, and I think it again comes back to something that I think, Mike, you'd said uh, with regards to the Lady Gaga clip, this personal drive. You know, Michael Jordan's getting out on the court at the end of the day, it's up to him to go and do that. He could sit in the changing in the locker room. He might have managers or, or coaches yelling at him to go and get out there and work hard. But at the end of the day, putting in the practice is up to you. It's up to me. It's up to Michael Jordan to go and do it himself and to put in to the best of his ability. And uh, what I th think is, is kind of captivating about that clip is this hard work and idea of preparation is totally ownable to himself. Once he's put in that hard work and he's prepared, he doesn't feel that anxiety because he knows himself he's ready for the game and he's ready to get out on the court and play the best version of, of his own plays that he can do. So for me, preparation, the idea of practice, it kind of all starts with that internal drive. You're supported by your team out on the court. And once you've put in this equation of preparation, equals no fear, oh, you're off to the races. <laughs> yeah. How do you internalize it, Chad, when, when you think about preparation 
where what's the is there a practice that you have where you really prepare for something and you just notice the fruits of that labor where you're like man that prep really helped yeah i think some of it is a kind of visualization practice so it, it's a combination of that and then in getting the reps in so if i can um, stand and deliver the presentation, uh, I will do so, but let's say it's maybe five or 10 minutes beforehand. And obviously I, you know, I'm like about to get on stage or whatnot. I think even just visualizing that, and I know this is a, this is big in the sports world, you know, just imagine creating in your mind's eye, you performing in, oh, yeah. in an easeful and, uh, kind of ideal way, I think is really, helpful and and productive. And there's also like a bit of mindfulness in that too, where it's just like, um, there there's, there's an interest, it, the way I hear MJ describe his practice, it's almost like it's his meditation, you know, like before mm-hmm. he stick gets mm-hmm. onto the court so that he's already done the infinite, you know, variety of, of plays and maneuvers so that nothing is new to him yes. on the court. And therefore nothing, he, he's not afraid of anything because he's already seen it. Yeah, and his teammates even talked about him playing harder at practice than a game mm-hmm. because he he took it to like level 100 in practice and by being in control of that and taking it so extreme that rarely games ever got to that. So he was so – like the game felt like he was playing in, in fourth gear. He never had to go right. to field. Well, he was, he was playing with, with one teammate or two teammates against five – you know, opponents, like he's stacking the deck, like way against him. So that of course it's going to be easy when he, when it's five V five. But it's also, you know, that we talked about uh, visualization. It's so funny how great athletes will really have a visualization process of them mm-hmm. feeling rhythm flow, performing at a certain level. And there's nothing wrong with doing that in your professional career as well, whether it's a speech whether it's a big meeting, whatever it is, like visualize who you can be. And, and you know, the, to me, I relate this so much to um, something that I picked up uh, over 2020, which is jogging and never been a jogger. Um, and so what I discovered is that if I really wanted to make good progress in a run, um, for tomorrow, I started this idea of visualizing that run before. And I notice a huge difference that when I have really thought about the time and the way I want to run the following day, when I've done that, I often achieve that goal that I've set. And what I notice, if I haven't done that active visualization the night before, I'm just I run fine, but not great. And it's really interesting how I even see mindset affecting not my only my work, but even how I think about running and keeping fit. It's mm. such a powerful process, isn't it? I'd love to add to this. Um, you know, you guys are totally right. Visualizing that end goal, visualizing where you might struggle or visualizing where you might succeed is 
totally, you're right. It's that form of practice. It's that form of taking yourself and almost mentally preparing for it. You know, once you've got that mental image in mind, it's, it, I think F1 drivers do it as well. You know, they'll visualize those turns and actually visualize even one step ahead, getting on the podium. And that's what kind of drives them through that race. And I, 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 think, I think you're totally right. Visualization, so, so valid. And when we talk about visualization, it works in the boardroom, it works on the sports field, and it can, it can actually help you achieve things that maybe you didn't know were possible. And I think, Mark, you've got one last goodie for us, um, one of the most popular shows, perhaps even challenging Mr. Cynic himself, but coming from a very different place. Mark, how do we want to round out this, this series of moonshotters? Have you got something that's going to challenge us? We've got a, an absolute powerhouse of a final clip. This is somebody who really, really pulls a lot of these different strands of personal drive, of discipline, of transformation, mental toughness, uh, putting in the hard work, um, and, you know, ultimately having quite an astonishing um, life and career, all laddering up to, to where they are now. And this final clip that we're going to listen to is, is Mr. David Goggins, who was, you know, like you say, Mike, a fantastic episode and, and really, really um, inspirational to get into. And I think it just feels the perfect rounding out of, of hearing Simon Sinek, Brene Brown, Elon Musk, Lady Gaga, and just then with Michael Jordan. Hearing Goggins tell us a little bit about his story and ultimately how you yourself can get over things because it's in your power, your capability, is I think a real demonstration of moonshots thinking. It's again this idea of ownership and inspiration. So this final clip, episode 100, The Centenary Show, we are going to going to hear from Mr. David Goggins tell us about never giving up. People hear my story and think this guy is sadistic. I realized how the, how the brain works. I figured out how the brain works. I, I'm a scared kid and that's what gives me so much power. I had no foundation and I built this off of just researching the mind. The feeling you get is basically invincibility. You realize that you can't do it all the time. When you need to do it, I know I can go to a place that I can live in. And when you know that you can run on broken legs and you can do certain things that a lot of people can do, but they're not willing to do, this power, this sympathetic nervous system of fight or flight and you're fighting, it, it gives you this charge of energy of when you're sitting there at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and you're duct taping your feet up because they're broken and you're doing it by yourself and you're going through arguably one of the hardest training in the world and these guys, most of them are healthy and you're going through it broken and you are at a disadvantage but you're still there you can feed into that and tap into that for a lot of power but if you look at it, well, I'm broken, man like, I'm not going to make it. But if you look at it as, man, I'm broken and I'm still here. And I'm fighting. And I'm going to find a way to get through this. 
because I have no other place to go. It gives you a lot of power. When things start to suck really, really bad, my brain and a lot of people's brain, they, they don't go to your dad beating you up. Your brain says, we ain't get the out of here. This is miserable. So anger goes away a lot of times when you're suffering because your brain just says, we gotta run, we gotta go. So that anger is not popping up saying, oh, I wanna show them, I wanna show those people. No, there has to be a much deeper, when I say deeper, it has to be down to mineral, mineral soil. It has to be down to that nice mineral soil where nothing can burn. You can't burn dirt. So it has to be down that low that literally is something in you that's at the core of your soul. And, but, you, but you don't find it unless you spend a lot of time with what you want to be in life. You, I, I can't give that to you. Right. You can't give it to somebody. When, when you find your true passion in life, and my passion for me when like, oh, I want to be, now I can give a Navy SEALs, Army, I don't give a shit. I want to serve my country. I cared about, I want to be someone that I'm proud of. We, I mean, there's a lot of energy and tenacity in that. And, you know, someone who's achieved uh, the remarkable military training that, that he has, you have to expect that this will come with some of that gritty uh, energy. But here is the most remarkable thing that I want to share with you, Chad is that in the end, he brought that whole thinking of the way you don't give up, he brought it right back to Simon Sinek. It is knowing your purpose. Ah, you stole my thunder, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) So isn't this exciting that a guy who is the only man in the world to have qualified for all three special forces in the United States he can be full of that power and that energy, but it comes with the same essential thoughtfulness of that of both Brene and Simon Sinek. I mean, does that not connect all the dots? Does that not just make your mind go racing with possibilities, Chad? Yeah, it was this, it's the Ouroboros, the snake eating its own mm-hmm. tail here. We're yeah. coming back to the beginning. <laughs> I, what's so, I mean, he has an amazing story and his energy in this clip is so, it comes from the place in which he's describing. You can tell that he's speaking mm-hmm. to you from that place deep at his core. It's so interesting f- for me to see how he went through these he, he took on these trials f- to reveal, to, to help reveal to him, I think, what is at his core. Mm. And so that's kind of like an inside out approach. Whereas you know, Simon, I think, comes from a more cerebral or heady, you know, top down approach and kind of figuring out what your why is. But when you combine these two, I think there's some real magic here in that maybe if you're struggling with finding your why, go to one of those extremes and, and see, you know, mm-hmm. do a, do a marathon if you've only been running five Ks and see what that reveals about your character. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, 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 if those kind of physical trials are maybe normal or par for the course for you, um, 
you know, you could try and be more introspective and, and thoughtful about what your purpose is. But I, I love, um, I love how we've just come back to the beginning here at the end of the show. <laughs> and apologies for stealing, stealing. The, no, the, it just, the it word. just goes to show like, you know, you record 60 plus episodes with someone and like your brains just begin to function similarly. Mark, I'm just yeah. I'm warning you that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> if it hasn't already. <laughs> uh, just, just to build on what Chad was, was reflecting there with, with David Goggins. I think that's a real, um, dare I say, practical tip or, or even challenge that, that you're calling out there, Chad, which I really, really liked. In order to sort of see, you know, kind of what you're made of, to see how your body and your mind react to certain situations, go and seek out those challenges, go and seek out those marathons or those moments of discomfort. I think one of the traits that we've seen in a lot of these episodes, a lot of these clips, sorry, today are moments of, as Brené would call it, vulnerability, as Elon would call it, um, critics, uh, as Lady Gaga would call it, you know, challenges around uh, not um, giving up artistic integrity. You know, they all stem from this particular challenge. And I think as a, an observation, all of these individuals have evolved or become hardened through that exposure. Obviously, particularly Mr. David Goggins, by going through the different rounds of training for all of his military experience, his body and, and mindset became battle-hardened to that. And I think as a call to action from each of these innovators, each of these moonshotters, putting in that practice and going that extra mile to challenge yourself, your mindset, is a path to becoming that, inverted commas, best version of yourself. I, I love mm. this. Um, kind of lesson that I think we're, we're scratching. And, you know, the thing that we see in Goggins and others is that when you do push yourself, if you understand that we will have a survival mechanism that kicks in when we're going to an uncomfortable place, and that's usually flight or fight, if you can control that response, what you will discover on the other side of this is that you can do so much more than you realize because usually what happens and is we just chicken out. Mm. We don't realize how powerful we really can be. And I was watching uh, the, the, I think he's now four or five time uh, champion of uh, men's CrossFit. And uh, I was watching an interview with him and he was like, you know, my basic observation of people is they have no idea how powerful they really are. And he was sort of talking about it in an athletic point of view. But I think what Goggins speaks to is just know that you're going to get a bit shaky when things get tough, but you've got to stay the course. You know, when you're on the sixth mile or the seventh mile and it's really starting to hurt, stay the course. Because it's almost very helpful, isn't it, that you know that you might want to stop running um, and you might entertain that thought. Like I certainly, when I'm going longer and faster, I am prepared for my mind to be doing these tricks of like, ah, oh, maybe I don't have to run a personal best today, right? But it's almost you can preempt that with any challenge you have in life and know the doubts will come, but you must not give up. I find that very powerful, don't you, Matt? Oh, I, I, exactly right. It's so, so powerful. It's, it's a real 
you know, call to action. It's a real um, moment of, right, time to wake up, time to put on, um, you know, the right set of glasses to see the challenges, mm-hmm. opportunities to go and seek out. Uh, maybe it's a race, maybe it's a marathon, maybe it's just setting the intention before you go to bed to go for a run in the morning. Mm. And you kind of put all your gears into action, put all your gears together and have that activity, that action. Um, I think that's the way to strive into, I think, I think finding a, a kind of happier or, or more efficient or more effective version of yourself, I think yes. by giving yourself that meaning and giving yourself the attention that you deserve, the introspection, I think that's equally a big lesson that we can learn from all of our moonshot innovators. You know, they know what drives, going back to Sinek again, they know what drives them. And once you've done that little bit of hard work and you think about um, what motivates you to go for that run or go and do your best work uh, in your career, whatever that is, once you've found that, you're going to be more content. What David's brought back up here for me is this this discomfort. And all the people we've heard from are telling us we need to be comfortable in the discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Brene's saying that there's going to be shame and there's going to be comparison and there's going to be scarcity. And Elon, you know, I, I called it, he's not satisfied with the status quo, but you could also call that, you know, comfort. It, it, I think he's disrupting everything because he's really comfortable mm. being dis, you know, in, in that uncomfortableness. He's just mm-hmm. like, he just plows right through it. And I think, um, David, I think reminds us a, a, a lot of what, and even Lady Gaga too, you know, it's just that, re, that rebelliousness, not just for rebelliousness's sake, but it, they're seeking out that discomfort in a way that's going to grow themselves. And then through, you know, their music or through their businesses or through their, um, you know, work will inspire and, and transform others. It, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think it's a really, really cool uh, connecting thread between everyone. Yeah. So that was six ideas from six, you know, truly inspiring people, Chad, having traveled uh, technically almost half of the country the last three months and coming back with all this fresh, clear headedness, what really stands out to you in, in the, the lessons that we can learn this essential uh, mindset and behaviors for moonshot thinking and, and moonshot doing, what, what's really standing out for you? What would be the note to self as you go into a new day tomorrow? What, what will you go, huh, that was a good thought. I'm going to focus on that. Was there something that really stood out? Well, first I'm, I'm bookmarking this show and returning to it because <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, I think it's, it, it's, it's a great distillation of the moonshot thinking mindset, but the thing that really spoke to me, and I mentioned this after the clip is the last line from Brene, where she says that not caring what others think is its own kind of hustle. And I'm just really curious how inviting some more vulnerability in, in all areas of my life could be, um, you know, could be transformational for me. Like I'm pretty comfortable 
and, and David's telling me to not be so comfortable. And so that's, that's what I want to try and do. <laughs> Embrace the discomfort. That's awesome. Yeah. It was also a big, big theme of the Joe Rogan show. He really talks about you want to earn things. And in order to do that, you need to embrace the discomfort and just be comfortable. Like Goggins talked about, just know your mind's going to be doing tricks and saying, stop, don't run so hard, but you need to just keep going. Don't give up and Mm -hmm. just embrace that, you know, in being your best self will come challenge and just be ready for that. Yeah. Well, now it's time to put you on the spot, Mark. What's your, what's your takeaway here from our hundredth episode? For me, I think I, I can't escape your, your Brené observation. I think, I think that kind of about the hustle is, uh, is, is so true. You know, the, your own kind of hustle I love. Um, but actually I'm, I'm also captivated by Lady Gaga. I'm also captivated by the, um, the ownership that she took with her artistic integrity, the way she looked, the way that she behaves, remembering that it's up to you. And, and I, I feel like it's quite a, um, it's a moment that kind of wakes you up and says, okay, well, if I put down the phone, put down the emails, I am me. This, this knowledge of yourself as an entity that you are in control of, for me, that's, that, that, that um, is a big takeaway from our 100 episodes. You're in control. And, and it's up to you to, to go and um, take ownership of it. Um, Mike, you know ownership as well. Um, you, we've, we've just covered um, extreme ownership in our, in our show 99. Looking mm-hmm. back over the last 99 episodes, though, what for you was the biggest takeaway? What's the most surprising element or the, the thing that you're going to take into the next 100 shows? <laughs> well, I mean, I... I listen to these and I realize how much more work I've got to do on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. I'm like, Oh gosh, back to the drawing board, Mikey P. Um, but also how um, perhaps the difference between now and my younger self is that um, I know it won't come easy and I know it's not going to be a walk in the park and that's okay. And I think that's, that's what I've taken from these. And just, you know, I'm also just reflecting on how much, how much power there really is in what each of these six individuals shared in these clips and their ideas and how we can make use of them and how extremely positive I am about the future. And I feel like if there was ever a time to get back in touch with your purpose and your vulnerability and overcoming criticism and just being relentless and practicing and not giving up, then it feels like 2020, the back end of 2020 is the time to do that. Right, Chad? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why these clips really just hit me so hard, you know, having, um, having been on this wonderful road trip experience for three months and then, you know, realizing that we're all going to be hunkering down here at least Mm in the Northern hemisphere for, for the winter. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time to, you know, there's, we've got what 60 days until, you know, the end of the year. So, you know, just enough time to, to make a few changes, but not so much time where we're going to procrastinate it um, mm. and not do it. Mm. Mm. And I think that 
if we had one moment with all of these individuals, um, they would say, don't be a victim of the circumstance and the things that you don't control. Focus on what you can control. You know, really um, go back to yourself and your purpose. Um, and I think we would find them all saying very similar things. Um, they wouldn't say it'd be easy, but I think the theme here that connects them together to make the Moonshots playbook, if you will, is so damn good. It's just exciting. It's inspiring. And look, not to be uh, understated, they're all very challenging as well. So what a wonderful way to, to celebrate our 100th show. So Chad, so much thanks and gratitude for you tuning in and as you're fresh back from your adventures. Um, how have you enjoyed being back on the show? I'm going to have to uh, shoehorn my way back on here <laughs> before too long. <laughs> my, my sabbatical was, uh, was too long. So again, thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure. And you know, huge shout out to all of you loyal listeners out there. Uh, thank you for continuing to, to, to stay on the moonshots train and, um, yeah, like I'm going to be bookmarking this episode and returning to it. I hope everyone else does as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, it was great to have uh, Chad back. It was like the band was back together again. Yeah, I can't put it into words. What a pleasure it was doing the episode with you, Chad. I felt like, uh, you know, we were out on the court playing playing some basketball, then getting ready to get into the arena, played to 10,000 fans, and uh, all while packing our bags and getting on a mission to Mars. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun and we're definitely doing it again. Uh, yeah. You didn't come, you didn't come with your meat dress though. No, I didn't. I didn't. That's, <laughs> but he has, he has been known to, to go for some heels in the office. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Chad Owen, thank you. Mark Pearson Freeland, thank you to you too. And most of all, thank you to you, all of our listeners. We are so delighted to be here together sharing with you what is the Essential Moonshots show. We've taken six ideas from six really amazing people and we are just thrilled at the idea of sharing it with you. So thank you to those of you who are tuning in from South Korea, from Spain, from Russia, India, Belgium, Poland, Uruguay, and even Panama too. We really, truly thank you for your time to share with us, to learn out loud. And today was a special one. We have really gone on a journey that started with purpose and asking that big old question of why, thanks to Simon Sinek. And part of that journey is going to be vulnerability. And as we face our critics, we have to remember that we must be relentless and fearless on whatever our quest, whether it's at home or in the office, whether it's personal, professional, or on the sports field, it is so critical to put in the practice. And if you put in that practice, there will become moments, there will become times where you consider walking away. And if we all listen to David Goggins, he says to us, don't give up. So there you have it, the essential, the 100th Moonshots podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the journey as much as we have. And that's a wrap of the Moonshots podcast.